Ladies and gents, my name is Brandon Stover. I'm the founder of Plato University, and this is five science-based techniques to make your students smarter and you too. In my previous video, I went over the three phases of learning, explore, engage, execute. Today, we're going to be talking about five active learning techniques that can be used anywhere inside of those three phases, but they're particularly well-suited for the very first phase, which is explore, where you're exploring foundational concepts. If you haven't seen that video yet, I'll leave a link inside the description. Let's start with our first active learning technique, which is active recall. Active recall involves recreating something from memory that you've learned in the past and thinking about it right now, pulling that information from cold storage of your mind. For example, maybe you're learning about NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens. You hear that term come up and instead of Googling it to figure out what it was because you can't quite remember, you spend a little brain power in order to pull that information out and by doing so, you strengthen the neural connections between your memory and being able to retrieve it. See, the more brain power that you put into recalling something without looking it up, and the broader set of context that you do it in allows for stronger and more broadly connected neural connections inside your brain. By doing active recall, you're strengthening your ability to remember things long term and be able to retrieve it whenever you need it. Additionally, when you're doing this practice, it gives you feedback about what you don't quite know yet. Because if you're not able to recall it from memory, then you need to spend more time engaging with that information so that you can put it into long-term memory. See, when you actively work with information, such as an active recall, you're forcing new spines to emerge from your neurons and connect to the axons of other neurons, creating neural links in your brain. And it takes a technique like active recall to do this because just passively glancing over material, like rereading your notes, does not encourage these new connections. See, when you first learn something, information is laid in your brain with a weak set of neurons linked. But when you start retrieving those links, they strengthen the connections. Active recall has been compared to many other learning techniques, including rereading material. And those who practice retrieving information scored significantly higher on later tests. But if that's not enough, let's look at why you would want your students to be using active recall. If you practice active recall, you're more likely to remember information and be able to apply it in new contexts later. Another benefit is it combats what's known as the illusion of knowing. See, we're really bad at whether or not we've learned something and if we actually know the information. When you're forced to pull something from memory, such as an active recall, you either know it or you don't. And if you don't know it, you're not able to pull that information out and you need to go back and learn it. So how is active recall performed? That's really, really easy. You spend some time learning something, you put away that learning material, and you try and recall from memory what you just learned. You can do this all in one learning session, such as reading a book, putting the book away and trying to recall what you just read. Or you can do this over the process of a day or a couple days where you engage in learning of some information. Then later in the day, you try and recall what you learned earlier in the day without looking over the material. Let's look at a few examples. If you're in a formal class, you can provide students with practice tests or practice questions on the material that you guys just went over. And in this process, students are not looking over their notes or their material. They're trying to actively recall the information. Once they've done the practice test or the practice question, you can have them look at their notes to see how well they retrieved the information or the processes that they went were correct. I wouldn't recommend actually grading these because this is just the process of going through active recall to see if you know the information and trying to strengthen those neural connections. That's another learning technique, not something to be graded. When you're having students read something, have them read a portion and then put away the reading material and try and recall what they just read. 
Additionally, if you're teaching your students complex information, have them take notes while they're learning and then have them put it away and try and recall the information, but re-explain it in a way that's in much simpler terms. Another way you can practice this is teach your students something and then have them pull out a piece of paper and try and write down everything that they can remember about what they just learned. You could also do this at the beginning of a class, going over all the information that they learned in the previous class. And this is really beneficial for you because it'll help you get feedback about where your students are stuck and the things that they're not remembering so that you can be sure to include those in future classes. All right, let's move on to technique number two, which is the Pomodoro technique. The Pomodoro technique is really just a sequence of steps in order to make learning more efficient. Really quickly, these steps are one, preparing your study or work environment, removing all sorts of distractions. Two, take a timer and set it to 25 minutes. Then step three is for those 25 minutes, focus intently on what you're studying or what you're working on. And then step four, after the 25 minutes, you're going to take a five minute break. And then step five is you repeat this cycle going 25 minutes, five minutes off, 25 minutes on, five minutes off, as many times as needed as you're going through your learning material. As much as we would like, we cannot sustain our attention on something forever. We need to work intently for a short period of time and then reward ourselves for being able to do so. So by setting aside time, such as 25 minutes, it allows you to focus intently just for that period of time, giving your brain the practice of focusing without disruption. Then by having short mental breaks, just even five minutes, allows you to take what you've learned and put into short-term memory and start transferring it to long-term memory, which is going to clear your mind for the next 25 minutes where you can intake new material. This technique also helps briefly with motivation because you know after focusing intently for those 25 minutes, you're going to get a five-minute break so you can stay motivated through that intense learning. And if you or some of your students really struggle with staying motivated while learning, These short bouts allow them to commit and then recommit to dedicated study rather than doing endless long sessions. It also gives your students a tool that's a repeatable process, allowing them to get an ease and comfort with the process of learning rather than the goal or outcome. And there's actually studies that show if you're doing activities that you don't enjoy after about 20 minutes, it can actually cause brain pain in the insular cortex. See, the reason that you should be using Pomodoro techniques with your students is because having too prolonged a focus doesn't give their brain enough time to offload the new information into long-term memory. In which case, if you keep cramming new material into them, all learning that's been done after that first portion becomes less effective. They're not able to gain all of that material. They didn't offload the material that you had previously given them. And if you're really making your students focus for an extended period of time, It can lead your students to something called a cognitive exhaustion, where they're just not able to process that information as well as they were doing in the beginning. So short learning sessions with five to 10 minute breaks makes learning less of a drag and easier to get through. We discussed this in the beginning, but real quickly, the way that you do a Pomodoro technique is you first set up your environment so that there's no distractions. Two, set up a timer for 25 minutes. You could use an actual timer or just an app on your phone. Just make sure you're not being distracted by your phone. Then three, dive in and study something with as much intention as focus as you can for those 25 minutes. Then we move to step four, which is at the end of those 25 minutes, take a five to 10 minute break. You can reward yourself just by simply closing your eyes and resting for a moment or getting up and walking around. And then step five, repeat this process as many times as needed to get through your learning material. For example, let's say you were going to have a two hour study session. You can do four Pomodoro cycles within those two hours. Now I just want to note something here that the 25 minutes is actually a bit arbitrary. 
Some people may like doing 50 minutes and then taking a 15 minute break, which has also been shown to be highly effective. Now, if you want to make this break even more effective, you can spend just one or two minutes trying to actively recall what you just learned in those 25 minutes using the previous technique we discussed. All right, now let's discuss technique number three, which is chunking. Now, the principle of chunking states that learning is easier when information is input into units of three or four, each of which can contain three or four units. Basically, what you're doing during the process of chunking is taking large swaths of information and putting them together into chunks that can be more easily remembered later. And this works so effectively because our mind stores chunks of information rather than isolated bits of information. And by doing this, you're able to store these chunks and recall them later, pulling out large and large swaths of information that can be applied into new contexts. See, when you're learning something new, you're intaking information into your brain into what's known as working memory. And working memory can really only hold about four pieces of information at one time. If you're trying to hold in more information than that, your working memory becomes overwhelmed. During the process of learning, we're intaking that new information into our working memory and then trying to consolidate it and move it into our long-term memory. And the reason for this is because the links that you create or the chunks of information that you create and put into long-term memory is nearly limitless, where you compare that to our working memory, which can only hold four concepts at a time. So by moving that information into our long-term memory, we allow pre-worked out chunks to be stored and retrieved later to be able to work with in more complex situations. And this is exactly why we should be doing it. Chunking allows you to store information you're learning faster, put it into long-term memory, and retrieve more easily later. In this way, when you're working on larger and more complex problems, you're not trying to hold the entirety of all that information in your mind. You can retrieve one of your chunks and work with it, store it back later, retrieve a different chunk, and be able to work through the problem. So let's discuss how you can use the chunking technique in learning. When you first approach something or you have your students approach something that needs to be learned, look at the totality of information. What is everything that you need to learn and know to be able to fully understand and use this information in the future? Then begin breaking down that information into chunks, manageable, organized units of three or four concepts. If you recall back in our three phases of learning video, I talked about the explore phase, which had foundational concepts. This is a really good time to take all that large swath of information and break it into manageable chunks into foundational concepts that can be stored in your mind. Then after you have these organized units that you can start learning, spend time learning and mastering each individual chunk. Really get to know that information. And once you've mastered one chunk, move on to another chunk and so on and so forth. And once you've mastered each of these chunks, then start integrating them together so you can master all of the information as a whole. A really good practice is to break all the information you need to know down into chunks and then just master one chunk per day. So on day one, you're going to master chunk one. On day two, you're going to master chunk two. And then let's say that you have four chunks. After doing this for four days, on day five, you're going to start putting the chunks together and mastering that. All right, let's talk about technique number four, which is interleaving. Interleaving is the process of mixing different types of tasks or concepts together during practice and learning. This is also known sometimes as mixed practice. Interleaving is the opposite of blocked practice. Blocked practice is when you're going to focus on one concept and keep learning that intently before moving on to the next one. Interleaving, we weave in different concepts during the same learning session. Interleaving not only helps you understand the concept that you're learning right at that moment, but the relationship between contexts as you start shifting between those. In terms of motivation, it's often easier to focus on something novel 
rather than something you've been studying intently for a long time. Research also shows that when you're faced with complex problems, such as in math or programming, interleaving can help you choose the correct strategy in order to solve those problems. And by practicing interleaving, you're going to know the similarities and differences between those problem-solving strategies. And because in our learning, one of the best things that we can do is start with foundational material, by interleaving different problem sets or different examples with the material that we're learning, you're creating more anchor points in your mind for pre-existing knowledge that can be recalled later. And then when you start learning new material, you have more anchor points to attach that new knowledge to. Now, interleaving and weaving in these novel examples while we're learning helps us avoid the fluency effect, where we feel like we're improving quickly because we keep practicing the same thing over and over again. Long-term performance has been shown to be significantly higher for both motor and cognitive skills when interleaving is used. Interleaving also makes you a better problem solver because you draw distinctions between different topics and problem types, a skill that's absolutely necessary for solving complex problems. So now how are you going to start using interleaving in your learning? Let's say you're studying concepts within the same subject. During a learning session, switch between concepts, not studying one for too long. Then in new study sessions, interleave new material with previously covered material in order to create a better understanding. And as you switch between these concepts, make links and relationships between them. Now, if you're studying multiple subjects at one time, use something known as cross-pollination or skill stacking, which is basically learning related materials of different subjects at the same time. During a study session, mix materials from those different topics into that single session. The first few times that you do this, it may feel really chaotic because the topics and subjects don't necessarily match. However, it's going to help you create robust skill sets and relationships between different topics, allowing you to stretch your mind. And then when you approach a complex problem in the real world, you're able to stretch and pull from those different areas, making you come up with very creative solutions. During your learning, if you come up against something that you're just not quite understanding, you can also use a form of interleaving called brute force learning, where you're taking different sources about the same topic and trying to learn from each one of those sources. So you might watch a video, you might read a book, you might listen to a podcast, all on the same subject, but from different people in different mediums and seeing if you can't attack that subject from different angles for you to gain a full understanding. Likewise, you're also able to find the through line of all of those different sources that's at the core of what you're trying to learn. And this actually takes us into technique number five, which is dual coding. The principle of dual coding states that learning and memory are more effective when information is presented in multiple modalities, such as verbal and visual. The reason for this is because research shows our brain creates different memory traces for pictures versus words. Our brain has multiple areas of storage, and the more that we can get information into those different areas, the stickier that information will be. People learn better when you combine visual materials, like a picture or a diagram, with verbal materials, like words from the explanation that you're giving. And because of these multiple representations, it gives you multiple shots to be able to recall information later. So let's look at some different ways that you can apply dual coding. Anytime you're learning a new concept, see if that information can be presented visually and auditorily. When you're reading or taking notes on something, see if you can turn that material into a picture or a diagram. Or if you're already looking at one that may be provided, see if you can explain that diagram in your own words. When you're reading something or listening to a podcast, see if you can create a visual in your mind's eye of what they're talking about. And as you create these illustrations, try and practice active recall, pulling information previously stored in your memory. One exercise you can do in order to create a visual of what you're learning is create a mind map 
which is a visual way to lay out ideas and the relationships that they have with one another. If you're learning a lot of quantitative information, then create a visual of that information, like a graph. And this allows you to understand the relationships between the numbers that you're learning. Now, recall earlier I said the more experiential and the more senses that you engage, the more cues that you're putting in your memory to learn something. So if you're able to, you can weave in other senses that are not normally used during learning, such as smell or taste. In our brains, these were some of the first senses to be developed, which means they're extremely powerful for memory. Additionally, you can try evoking emotion when you're learning something, because when your emotions are tied to an event or something that you're learning, you can more easily recall that information later. Emotions focus attention on what you're learning, causing the brain to devote extra resources to storing that information. To use and evoke emotion when you're learning, create a visual story by drawing out pictures and then retelling that story to yourself so that you learn it in an auditory way as well. And weave in different emotions that you're trying to evoke to make that story as powerful as it can be and be able to be retold and recalled later. Now, these active learning techniques will supercharge your ability and your students' ability to become smarter, remember more, and master any skills. But where do you use them? How do you integrate them into your courses? Use the link below and let's schedule a free call together. I'll help you work through your ideas and develop a strategy so you can use these techniques inside your course. When you get on the call, there's no hard sells because if you'd like my help implementing the strategy, then I'd be happy to do so. Otherwise, you can take the strategy and run and implement it yourself. So use the link below and let me help you turn your wisdom into actionable education. Let's build something great together.